All right, folks, good morning. We are live, okay, here on this. What is today? Today is 111, okay, which is, that's a lucky, it's a good lucky day. All right, and you guys are lucky to be on this call today because we have mortgage financing extraordinaire, all right, uh, John Ingram. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Oh, now, hold on one second. I'm going to tell you to hit start Uh-oh. sex. Give me one second. I forgot to do one. Hold on. I just muted everybody, so you have to hit star six on your phone so we can hear you. All right, you should have me. There you go. You got and me. I should also right. mention with Axia Mortgage, you know, our, yes. uh, one of our favorite affiliates. So, so, John, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, ready for a whole new 2021 and uh, see what the year has in store for us. I'm expecting just a great year. Yeah, wasn't it? I mean, think about this. In I was thinking about this yeah, uh, on the drive-in this morning. End of March, early April, people were wondering, okay, what's going to happen? Are we going into recession? Um, yeah. Are we going to have to downsize the size of the company? And then by the end of the year, everybody and most people end up doing better. Pretty crazy year, right? Yeah, I, I mean, not to talk my own sort of personal stuff too much, but uh, I, I blew past my goal by 40%. You know, just... <laughs> just, just crushed it. And it, it's it, if you were in this business in 2020, um, and you were, you know, a productive person already, you just, yeah, it was an amazing gift in that way. I feel a little guilty. I have that like winner's guilt about it. <laughs> oh, stop it! Don't. It's okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you okay? So I always joke around and say that's it's, it's you you sound. I went to Catholic schools, and it sounds like a little Catholic mm. guilt, but. Could be Catholic guilt. It's a real feeling, you know, because yeah. certainly some people are being hurt, and, and here I am yeah. having the best year of my career. It's unfortunate that, that it had to happen that way. But at the same time, you know, my little saying came true. A lot of people made more money in 2020, but you're right. It's unfortunate yeah. that people, uh, you know, it's been a crazy situation. People lost their lives. Th- it's been bad. That part. I think you make a really bad. interesting point, is, which was, you know, right at the beginning of, of March, as this stuff was going to go to lockdown, nobody at that moment would have told you that real estate would have had a great year. Um, yeah. I, I believe. Like, no one saw this. No one. No. I was in denial. I thought, we'd, I thought it would be like a week or two or maybe a month. <laughs> and three months yeah. later, I'm like, holy crap, this is going to last longer than I thought. But sure. that being said, the real estate market responded in – I mean – other than April, May, and part of June, it, I, I wouldn't even say it was a full three months, but let's call it three months. So basically, um, in 75% of the year, we outperformed 2019 in almost every category, including luxury. And luxury was a lot. Right, right. So yeah, I think, it, I think that goes to <laughs> – it goes to how quickly kind of we responded to – the beginning of this crisis uh, versus what happened in, say, 2006, 2007, there was no reaction to that initially. And, and right. uh, you know, you can't downplay sort of the, some of the quick efforts that were able to be put forth to, to keep this, uh, to sort of underpin things. And, and that allowed, I, I think it prevented the, the psyche about real estate from shifting. Like people going into fear 
went into, wow, this is a special opportunity. Right. Yeah, especially people in, uh, well, in all three markets because you had less competition out there looking because especially initially half the buyers mm-hmm. went away and some of them even got out of their deals and they were really upset later because they lost their rate oh. locks and then boom, all of a sudden now they're the lowest rates in the history of mankind, which I don't know about you, John. You've been doing this a long time and so have I. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been, Mark Stark and I have been, it was our 36th year in real estate, but I'm, I have never seen the Fed come out and say, yep. I mean, in a time when the interest rates are the lowest they've ever been, come out and say, yep, we're going to try to stay right where we are till 2023. Have you ever seen anything like that? No, no, it's, it's never been like this before um, with them basically saying, we will do whatever it takes to support this economy and to support maximum employment and, and that sort of thing. We're, we're buying – well, by, by sort of policy announcement, the, the Fed's buying $60 billion a month of treasuries, $40 billion a month of mortgages, and in actuality, the number is significantly larger than that based upon their, their, their existing portfolio being refinanced and not giving them more cash, and so they're reinvesting that into new mortgages. And basically, them just saying there, we are not going to – sort of uh, let rates rise further than what we're willing to tolerate in order to support um, our economy, support consumers. Um, It's a, it's a really, um, uh, yeah, once in a a generation type event. I I really believe that. (laughs) I really believe that. Yeah. And also, I also believe, so like people, um, I mean, from a lending standpoint, from a refinance standpoint, from a hell, get an investment property standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, the rental market is ballistic right now as well. So, uh, I mean, it's just I've never seen it uh, quite like this. And think about appreciation with interest rates that low, right? What did we end up in appreciation for uh, 2020? Wasn't it like around 10, 12%? Yes. Yeah. I think it was over 11% nationally. Um, and then, you know, it's slightly different in each market, but, um, you know, we're, we're forecasting another 6% this year. It's going to be another up year. Yeah. Well, the great thing about their predictions normally with appreciation is they're usually very conservative because they predicted about the same thing. (laughs) Very true. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's good though. It's rather overshoot. And let's face it, we can't have, and people need to understand this. We can't have double-digit appreciation many years in a row because that just says the end is near. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there, there's, you can't have unlimited appreciation unless you have rising incomes. Um, that's one of the factors that is sort of hiding in the numbers right now where we have had incomes rise at a little over 5.5% um, in, in the last year. Um, on average, and that additional income leads to additional buying power, supports additional appreciation in homes, or allows appreciation to run further. So we're not at the edge on that. We, we're, uh, if you really do the math on it, homes are more affordable today than they were five years ago, based upon right. And explain income. to them, explain to them what that means, because I, I agree with you, and, and you know I think that's a very important point. So give an understanding of what that means exactly. Well, I mean, the, the, the core concept is that 
your, if your income rises $1,000, let's say, you're adding an additional, in, in mortgage world, the ability to carry an additional $500 of debt. That, that income, appreci- that income uh, is going to allow you to effectively manage, deal with, service, and, and afford um, more debt as we go forward. So if your house goes up um, $1, but your income went up 5 your total income versus bills actually went down. And that's, right. that's the equivalent of what's happening here. And, okay. and that is a powerful sort of factor that's, that's at work underpinning what we're doing to keep sort of um, house price appreciation from roaring out of control at this point. Um, certainly if incomes were to decline, if we would see um, no increase for an extended period of time and house prices continue to rise, they will hit, um, they will hit an affordability sort of uh, crisis moment. And this is kind of what we saw in, in the previous crash in 2007 or so, you know, forgive me, six, seven, eight. But um, the way we solved it at that time was by creative financing. We you know, right. were selling interest-only loans. We were selling option-arm loans. We were selling these sort of creative solutions. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't buying power that was increasing. It was just creative engineering on, on the financial side. And that's, that's a huge <laughs> difference between now and then. Creativity and, in some instances, outright fraud. Uh, you know, sure. Everybody should see the movie the big uh, short. It's a, big it's short. A, I think yeah. it really explains it well, doesn't it? It's a good movie. It covers, it covers a lot of the, uh, the good points uh, without just sort of, uh, I think, demonizing Wall Street, but it was kind of explaining, you know, uh, some of the key issues that were going on there. It, it maybe downplayed or didn't, didn't talk about as much, uh, you know, Wall Street's appetite for anything mortgage as if they could never go down. Uh, I guess maybe a little bit. Um, uh, what's his name's character? Uh, I forget his name. Uh, Steve Carell's character uh, kind of got into oh, yeah. it, uh, where, where Wall Street got greed. Um, yeah, and, and it And it burned us. <laughs> where he talks to yeah. the, let's say, the adult entertainer, and she's like, I have five properties with two mortgages on each one, yeah. um, and they're all option arms. That, so. Yeah, that, that's my favorite line in the movie, although I can't repeat it exactly here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yes. It's a great movie. It's really good. And it, and, it, and it has great acting in it, too, which makes it even better. But, you know, like you said something at one of my success series interviews, which I had never thought of until you said it, which was mm. in today's world where you're getting interest rates so low that a major percentage of your payment oh, right yeah. out of the get-go is go. So think about this, and I'll let you explain it, but properties appreciating. Let's say we average, you know, somewhere between what they said and what we did in 2020. So it'd be around 8%. If, we, if you're paying down at that clip, plus your property is appreciating at 80%, I mean 8%, plus you're getting the tax benefit. I mean, ownership has never probably been more advantageous than right now. Um, it, is, it is, yeah, it's really at a, almost a dream point uh, in place yeah. in time based upon the the multitude of factors if you are uh if you look at it through the lens of creating wealth for a family um 
it's never it's never been as good as this. When you look at where interest rates are today, you know where so many people are getting something with a two handle. Um, you do the math on that on a thirty year fixed mortgage, about forty three percent of your first month's payment is going to principal. Almost half, almost half of your whole first month monthly payment going to the principal, paying that balance down. It's never been like this before. That's the crazy. historical trend for, for 30-year fixed mortgages is up towards 8%, where you're talking about 3 4 5% of that, that first month is going to the principal. It's, you'd have to get a 15-year mortgage to get this kind of balance in, in historical terms. Now you're getting right. it on a 30-year mortgage? That's, wow. What, what, a, right. what a tremendous thing that many people aren't even aware of that's working in their favor today. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely For crazy. Sure. It's great. And, and then your house is appreciating at pretty incredible rates too. So when you factor oh, yeah. in the tax benefits, the appreciation, and the fact that you're clipping down at a rate uh, that's never happened before, um, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, another, another way to, to think about it is you put, let's just say you put 10% on a house, uh, put 10% down on a house today. And if that house goes up 6% in value, you just got a 60% appreciation on your money. Right. So it's talking in the terms of percentages. You put 10% down to buy, to buy a home, whether it be 100000 300000 or whatever. That 300000 that whole amount, goes up 6%. You just got 60% on your money in the first year. What other investment is going to do that well? What, other, what other, other opportunity does the average Joe have to, to build wealth in, a, in our country? Separate from being a business owner, inventing the next Facebook, the next Amazon, this is a really special time. And anybody who is helping somebody to buy real estate God, you can feel good about that. You can feel good about yeah. getting that per or helping to make that opportunity possible for somebody. Right. It's a really, it's, yeah, you know, it's, they, a, it's a blessing. It really is a blessing. It's a, you know, for a lot of people, it's a retirement fund. It's all that. Plus, you, you know, you're going to be saving on your taxes too. Which you, when you, so you, if you add that into the, you know, the um, uh, sure. percentage. It's still the largest I mean, tax it, it, deduction it, that the average yeah. person has is, is the home deduction. By far, yeah. Absolutely, especially yeah. if you're an employee. And, yeah, it's by far oh, the sure, best yeah. one. Okay, yeah, I'm, so I'm a W-2 see, employee uh, at my job. That's the, that's the biggest thing I get, basically. <laughs> it's the only thing that says yeah. I'm not allowed to write off business expenses as a W-2 employee anymore. So really, all I've got is my home. And I'm going to tell you something. It's one of the best things that the RPAC uh, has going for them is that every time that bill comes up, it gets squashed. So we keep that deduction. Because that would be sure. that wouldn't be great for the real estate market if uh, if that you could not write that off. Yeah, it would just cause right, a, so, you know further imbalance. Yeah, it would be a right. It would. It, who knows what it would, what it would do? But it's it's. I don't think it's it's been up several times. I don't think it's been close to passing. But it makes people nervous every right. time it comes up, myself included. So what do you see? All right. So we get. Um, I mean, we we know the obvious things about you know get your people pre qualified, but we have so many Ooh. buyers right now. Really, it's about getting inventory from people. But what do you see um, as far as the lending? Anything changing this year coming up for um, what we're looking at? Anything, anything oh, new coming up? Yeah, that's, they should... 
that's an interesting question. I, I like that one. So um, I can talk. I'll give you my sort of forecast for things. Uh, okay. So let's start with um, let's start with the easy stuff, which is not the easy stuff, but the the headline things, which is interest rates. Where are interest rates going? Um, over the last since the beginning of the year, uh, we've seen interest rates actually shift higher. Uh, not dramatically so, but a, a bit a bit off the bottom, a bit higher, and likely they will go a smidge further in the initial days. And what's really happening there mechanically is with the Democrats taking control of all three, you know, uh, um, parts of government, um, that's expecting to lead to more spending and 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 debt for our nation. Now, initially that goes against interest rates. But here's, here's a kind of, kind of a secret truth that's hidden underneath the numbers. With more debt, you get lower interest rates over time. So what this is going to basically happen, or what will happen, we believe, is that while you'll see an initial blip up after the beginning of these programs and the beginning of these, these initiatives, after their impact starts to fade, interest rates will fall back down. And, and so I guess my answer to you or the, the, the everybody listening is first quarter or so, we can see interest rates move up off of the bottom. By second half of 2021, you're going to see them declining back down, possibly to even lower levels is the expectation. So that's one thing. You can expect interest rates to support um, support home ownership, support um, really low cost borrowing for homeowners uh, going through all of 2021. That's one thing. Two, uh, you can see, I, could, I expect home price appreciation to continue through all of 2021 uh, into 2022. And really, the, one of the key dynamics that most people are not looking at is the demographic data. We are. Um, the, the average first time or the median home first uh, first time home buyer age is 33, and we are now re- reaching the beginning of millennials ter- touching and turning 33. The the early uh, the early demarcation for what is considered a millennial is turning 33 this year, and each year going forward from here, it is a higher number of of people reaching that age than the year before for the next four years. So you're going to have increasing demand supporting uh, this market as we go forward. Um, It is, I believe, sort of a falsehood or a bad line of thinking to to say that millennials are going to be different than Americans uh, and people in general uh, as they've always been. They're going to want to buy homes. They are buying homes. And that trend will continue. It's, it's something in the neighborhood of 83% of people when they buy their first child, uh, it's a trigger point for buying their first home. Um, and you are reaching that prime child age, that prime buying age uh, for the uh, early cusp of millennials. So you're going to have um, rising first-time home buyers for the next few years. And then it's worth also noting that um, for the next about 15 years, it will never be lower than it is today, meaning every year for the next 15 years, you have more people hitting that age point, hitting that first-time homebuyer uh, trigger level than, than where we are today and where we have been in the past number of years. In combination with that, you have our supply issues, right? 
So you have right. um, an undersupplied market. We, we've not been building enough new homes to support population um, for right. a long time at this point, 10 years. If you go back and look at the numbers, um, 2005, we peaked at about 2.2 million homes being built nationwide. At the bottom, after the crash happened, we were at roughly 500,000. And we've slowly been building from 500,000 up to about 1.3 million new homes being built this year. That is not enough to support the population demands, and therefore, it's going to continue to support prices. The, I think, yeah, human being and finance uh, uh, opportunities where interest rates are, are going to keep home ownership stable going forward. For those, those uh, realtors that are, that are hearing from consumers that they're waiting for a price decline, they are going to miss the boat. They are going to make, them, make this more expensive for them than getting them into the home sooner rather than later. Um, when, I talk, when I look at the world of, of finance specifically, um, we will, I believe, see things continue to ease. There's um, some mechanical reasons for that. One is um, mortgages have, have determined that, oh, the sky is not falling, and therefore um, some of the alternative products are, are dipping their toe back in the marketplace. And I'm talking about things like bank statement loans and investor cash flow loans, things like that. Um, are that were totally seized up at the beginning of, of the COVID crisis, have now come back into the marketplace, um, certainly not as loose as we were pre-COVID, but are going to be continued to inch their way supporting that. The traditional mortgage market um, is also seeing some shifting. I believe that under this new administration, you're going to see FHA get a little easier on people. You're going to see uh, Fannie and Freddie also get a little bit easier for first-time homebuyers um, and, and that segment of the population trying to help more of them uh, to get into ownership. And so we're going to see, I expect that to ease a bit. And um, the, the world will, will continue to support us going forward for the next few years uh, uh, as far as everything I'm looking at, we will tomorrow will be easier than today in a general sense um, as we go forward in time. This this is this is a good time to be in real estate. This is a a good time for consumers to to get in the game or to expand their participation into it. With the stock market running so hot, doing what it's doing, having real estate as an alternative investment. Is, is a smart strategy, um, and yeah. I believe a lot of people are going to benefit from this going forward. Yes, and, and also, um, I, you know, probably uh, the stock market will continue to go up a little too because they're talking about uh, once Biden gets in, the first thing he's going to do is send out more, um, you know, uh, stimulus money or try to, yeah. and I think that, uh, you know, the House has made it clear that now that there's a new president, we're not, we're not opposed to that because they're not fighting as much. And, uh, mm -hmm. you, know, but, you know, but remember, the train shows up on that, too. You keep throwing money into the, you know, it'll affect inflation down the road. But uh, it'll, infect, it'll affect the stock market up. And when people see the stock market up and real estate up, everybody gets consumer confidence, 
which really helps sure. the economy. And I like what you said. Basically, what I heard is when it comes to millennials, a lot of them are figuring out that you can own for less than renting, and it's an investment and so forth. There's a warehouse of millennial buyers just slowly coming into the market. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. That's exactly right. They are the largest generation that the United States has ever seen. Bigger than baby boomers, bigger than everybody else. Millennials is the largest. There is a was um, there was a a birth boom (laughs) that happened, and is is we are now um, they're now reaching that age where they become homeowners, business owners, and, and reach sort of the beginning of their prime earning years. And, and that wave is something that our industry is going to need to ride and navigate. All right, cool. All right, cool. Well, listen, so, any, so John, any final thoughts? I'm looking forward to interviewing on successes. Wait, let me give my shameless plug. Everybody remember, I'm doing success series this week, Okay. No, it's, is it this yeah. week? No, it's next week. I'm so, it's next week, isn't it? Hold on a second. I'm losing yeah, my mind it's, here. It's, I think it's next week. Yeah, it's next Monday. Sorry. Starting Monday, doing success series. Okay, you can if you're in Nevada, okay, it'll be um, – and you want CE, you have to go to the, the education site to sign up if you want CE. Uh, Arizona, California, you can just look at the advertisement on social media or the emails, and you got the uh, link right there to uh, take it on Google Hangouts, which John will be my, I believe, Thursday interview. Any final thoughts you have for them today, John? Um, I guess I would just leave you guys with, with this. Uh, real estate is going to be a great field and a great opportunity for consumers going forward um, for the next number of years. The sooner they get, get in, the sooner they can get their piece and it's our job to kind of let them know about the opportunities. I'm sure there's the right home for people. There's the right investment for people out there. It's, it's our job to help to find it and to finance it. And that's what we're happy to do. So, um, you know, give Axia a try, and, and we'd love to help your clients get this done. Well, I could just say this. I agree with John 100%, and I used him several times since I've been at this company, and he's done a tremendous job. All the people at Axia, I prefer John because John's right here, and John is very knowledgeable about the business, and that's what's important. And Axia is set up so awesomely, I think, for uh, all your loan originators to be totally into it because of this way the company is set up. Well, we appreciate all right, cool. that. And, and we work hard at it. <laughs> yes, you do, and it's obvious. All three markets are here, nothing but great things. So, everybody. Give John a try. Give everybody. Give Axia a try. We look at our affiliates are great. Let's face it. Uh, check out this uh, podcast. It'll be on my podcast or the Podbean app. And subscribe to my YouTube channel. I have a whole bunch of new stuff on there, folks. Thanks, John. Really appreciate it, my man. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.